How we doing? This is Rob Boster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. All right, happy Sunday. It's another milestone day. This is episode number 80 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. Rocking the Shut Up and Grind shirt. You know we got the Grind Gear store. If you want to rock the gear and I'm hitting the wrong button. See, this is the problem with going live. When you make mistakes, you just have to own it, right? But I hit the wrong button. Here we go. The shut up and grind gear. Then we got sweatshirts. We got hoodies. We got short sleeves. We got men's cuts. We got ladies' cuts. We got tank tops. All kinds of good stuff. Get that at shutupandgrindgear.com. All right, so you guys know the show. We talk about overcoming obstacles. We talk about people's journeys from where they were to where they are now. And we make it relatable and relevant to you. So those of you that follow the show on a consistent basis, you know, we have people from all walks of life from all across the world. We have people from Australia, from India, from Thailand, from Mexico, Canada, Ireland, England, and so on and so forth. And no matter where people are from, the grind is the same. Like it does, does, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Male, female, white, black, gay, straight, it, like male, female, it, it doesn't matter. The grind is the same. And speaking with my guest that's going to be joining me today for this 80th episode, we're going to be talking about finding power in your failure. So I don't want to change up his words, but failure to me, it's, it's not real. It's like you have things you do and then you have things you learn from. So just because you try a path, and maybe that path doesn't work out the way you planned, but you still gain valuable experience along the way. And then you just take that experience, and then you put it towards another direction. Then if that one doesn't work, you still gain experience along the way. And then you keep going until you find out what it is you are meant to do. And so to help me dissect this story, I found a pretty uh, pretty amazing man. You know, So as you all know, I don't pre-screen my guests, because I want the conversations to be organic and free flowing. Like I don't want it to be scripted. So I meet with them for like three minutes before we go live. But just from his website, right? This man is a highly decorated army officer. He's an author. He's a motivational speaker that's dedicated his life to improving the lives of others by helping them find power in failure. So welcome to the show, George Milton. Welcome, oh, sir. Thank you, sir. How you doing this morning? Doing great. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Thank you so much for this opportunity, man. Looking forward to, to diving into this and digesting and seeing if we can help some folks out out there. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think especially now with just the way things are in the world that pe- people need to understand mm. 
this message that there is power within within failure. And you know, we'll we'll get we'll get deeper into that. But first, we want to know about you. So give me give me the the one minute pitch. Who is George? Yeah, George Milton is um uh, you know proud father of uh, Jacob, the second lieutenant in the United States Army right now. Sarah, a special effects makeup artist, uh, and a licensed cosmetologist, business owner at twenty three, and Elizabeth, who is uh, about to drop out of college. Uh, man, that's all right. It's her life, and actually join the army. So okay. you know, travel that path with me. But uh, a guy who really really loves people, uh, someone who really wants to be able to take the knowledge, uh, you know, in which I've actually gained throughout uh, my life, and uh, helping inspire others to to get get and find healing through this, this failure issue, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if it make, makes you feel any better, I dropped out of college myself. Oh, <laughs> welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you're just you're just be, be surprised where, where life yes. take, takes you. Like, it, you know, just because you may not go on the path that you should go on yeah. doesn't mean that you still won't end up right where you're meant to be. Well said. Well said. Well said. Thank you very much, sir. All right, so... As a as a youngster, what did you see your, yourself doing career wise? Yeah, you know uh, that, that's an interesting question because I grew up in an environment where, um, uh, you know, I was you know illegitimate kid, two teenage parents, uh, neither of which graduated from uh, high school. Uh, they, you know, both basically dropouts. So I had a very very early life. Uh, you know, when it came, came to failure. I always thought I'd be a professional football player, to be quite honest. Mm. You know, and uh, it just didn't work out that way. Failing the kindergarten, failing the first grade, failing virtually every grade thereafter. I never read a book until I was a freshman in high school. Uh, the only reason I read that book is because uh, uh, the teacher came to me and showed me my name was in the book, George Milton. <laughs> right? And the book was Of Mice and Men, you know, by John Steinbeck. Yeah. So, Rob, we, we talked a minute ago about uh, failing out of college. Before it was all said and done, I actually dropped out of or failed out of six colleges and our universities. Wow. Six of them. So that's how I actually ended up in the Army. Okay. Wow. It's like you you doubled me. I did it three times. And, <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, it, it's like I didn't – I didn't. well, like I didn't fail out. I just – I was, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. It's like I was going for the Olympics and track and field. Like that was my main my Same. main passion. And then I injured myself. And so so now I'm like, you know, I really wasn't in it for the education, as bad as that sounds. But that's that's what it was about. And ironically, I told myself on the third time, I said, if you don't finish school this time, you're going to go join the Air Force. Mm. And so, oh, wow. yeah, so I, I ended up I ended up leaving school again and I went to sign up for the Air Force and the guy never showed. And then an army, an army officer came by and was like, well, you know. I can talk to you. So, so I, I ended up, I ended up enlisting, but, but two days before I was supposed to ship out to Fort Knox, Kentucky, I came down with a weird heart condition called pericarditis. And I ended up getting disqualified and I, and I never, I never joined. What? This is crazy. Look, (laughs) you and I, our lives are very, very similar in terms of parallel. I went to basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Really? <laughs> I am a, I actually went to college initially on a football and track and field scholarship. Okay. Right? So I actually, um, uh, Clemson was one of the schools I fell out of, but I was actually a decathlete, a 14-foot vaulter, 7-4-quarter high jumper, all-army track and field guy. So nice. I actually tried to get into the Air Force and bolo the ASVAB three times. 
Mm. So failed. So that failure stream, right? And yeah. then uh, I tried to get in the army, failed the ASVAB the first time, but passed it the second time with a score lower enough to actually get in. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And and like I said, like we're just talking to each other now, so we didn't even know yeah. any of that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. See, see, that's why I like these organic conversations because that probably wouldn't have come up if I just going by talking points. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Wow. All right. So from there, so co college didn't work out yeah. and take me through the next steps from there. Yeah. So when, uh, when the college situation didn't work out, um, I immediately, you know, tried to get in the army. It, it, it took God, at least six or eight months just to actually get in. So, so dropped out of college, went back home to this um, uh, impoverished environment and just realized that there was nothing there for me. And that's when I actually started trying to get into the military and that sort of thing. And, and ultimately, you know, I finally actually get, you know, got in. But the failure thing didn't stop. You know, so I finally get into the Army. Uh, I go on this private in the military. And I go to this um, a weapons qualification range. Out to, you know, the in-docu and all that sort of stuff. Now you got to get, you know, qualified in the weapons system. You're learning about the Army. So I go to the um, a weapons qualification range. And I go. I grew up hunting and fishing so I could fire weapon systems. So that's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But the M16s is a different type of, you know, weapon system. So I literally, I guess a little, right? <laughs> I literally go and fail the weapons qualification range first, first time out. So I go back to the barracks that night, and uh, my, my platoon sergeant, a guy by the name of, you know, Sergeant First Class George Gaither, sees me moping around the barracks, and uh, he comes to me, and this is Private Milton, what's your problem here? And I said, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, man, I went out and failed the weapons qualification range today. And it's just, you know, just another one of those uh, moments in my life when when failure just seems to you know, encapsulate me. And it's just I don't I mean, I thought the army would be easier than this. And he said something to me that literally transformed the way in which I thought from that day forward to this day present. And he simply said this. He says, son, failure is not the problem. It's how you respond to the failure. And from that day forward, and I'm getting chills now as I talk to you because I remember very vividly the experience that he and I was having. And it was like this light came on, Rob, right? Yeah. And from that day forward, I literally started thinking about failure in terms of, wow, failure can be good. Failure can make me stronger. Failure can make me better. Failure can actually help me change direction. Changing direction isn't necessarily the same as quitting, right? Yes. And, and, and here's what I've learned throughout my journey. And you said just a little bit ago, and this is really interesting. I'm glad you said it because I've not heard anyone else say it other than myself. Not that I'm clairvoyant or anything, but here's what I learned on this, this journey. Failure does not exist. And in fact, when we're children and we have a task or a challenge that we want to pursue, here's what children generally do, Rob. They will either figure out how to accomplish and overcome that challenge, or they just kind of move on and start doing something else. They never even think about it being failure until when? Until they're told, until they're taught, until people start, you know, stigmatizing them, you know, saying, oh, you know, you're failure this, you're not worthy of this. And there's great value in failure if you look at it from the right perspective. Yes, I, I, I agree 100 percent. And again, and like experience is just learning from all the things that didn't work. 
That's right. You know, we always, you know, it's interesting is that when you look at the, the, the success piece and people want to try to become successful, if someone doesn't necessarily become as successful as they choose to be, as long as they're talking about the success thing, everybody, you know, they're, they're kind of like, well, that's, that's okay. But when we start, you know, trying to flip the script and say, look here, but you got to really look at the opposite side of that. What about the failure piece? Right. I had someone who said that um, I ask this question oftentimes when I'm speaking to people, can you be anything that you want to be? And you know, people have been you know, conditioned to say, yes, I can be anything. No, you can't. Yeah. Right? You just can't. You have certain talents, gifts, skills and abilities that God has actually given you. Right. And when you focus on those talents, gifts, skills and abilities, you're, you're, the, the chances of you becoming successful at what it is you're trying to do are a lot greater than if you're trying to do something that you have virtually no interest in. Yes. And in the fitness world, I say that to my clients all the time as well, because you have someone that will say, oh, I want to be a size two. And mm. and I'm upfront with them. I was like, you know, with your build like that, that may not work for you. I was yeah. like, but you're super strong. Yeah. You know, so so let, let's focus. Let's focus on your strength. Like, let's not so much worry about you getting skinny. You know, like some people have small, like me, I have a small frame. Like if, if I ever want to be a bodybuilder, it's like, you know, my, my, my body's built for jumping and speed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. what it's yeah. built for. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be one of them 700 pound deadlifting guys. Like my body's just not built for it, you yeah. know, and, but it's the same thing professionally. You're absolutely right. Like there were skills and talents that were born with, but I feel like, and I'm not knocking the education system, but we teach everyone on one level. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times those gifts don't get realized. Yeah. You know, what a great point. Right. I mean, so so because we try to, um, you know, centralize everything and we don't focus on the uniqueness by which the people bring to the fight, yes. so to speak, you know, we, we're failing those kids. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be a professional football player. And in high school, I mean, literally superstar, man. Right. I get to college and everybody's a superstar and they all <laughs> want to play professional football also. Yeah. So I had to really, you know, step, you know, take a step back and say, look here. OK, so now I've, I've made the football team, but I'm obviously not going to make it to the pros. So what, what do I have to do? You know, another failure. No, no, no. All I did. And I didn't know this at the time is that I just shipped it to where those talents and gifts and skills and abilities were. So we literally fell. You know, our, our kids specifically in school. And it's not about knocking the school system. I agree with you. Education is a big deal for me. Even though I didn't have any degrees, you know, when I first went in, I have four degrees now, two masters, 17 nice. hours toward a doctorate, right? Graduated from the number one military, you know, institution that the Army actually offers. I've been, you know, done a lot of great stuff educationally. But the thing is, is that we're not all uniquely equal when it comes to our talents, our gifts, our skills, yeah. and abilities. So, yeah, so I always, you know, try to teach people that. You know, focus on what your strengths are, not necessarily your weaknesses. But if you learn to accept, understand and embrace those weaknesses and get better at those, then you become the person that you were actually meant to be. Yes. Yes. Spot on. You know, because it, it, it's funny. I usually don't tell people up front that, that I've dropped out of college just because I don't talk like like I did. You know, because pe people, you just get that stigma like, oh, you know, you, well, he must be dumb or he must be this. And I was like, no, but I realized that I learned better through workshops yeah so rather than going back to back to school it's like i had managed restaurants so i learned a lot you know hiring firing hr stuff you know sales mm -hmm. forecasting profit and loss so so i was getting on the job experience mm -hmm. but i didn't i wasn't really skilled in marketing branding 
you know, and uh, so like social media management and stuff. So I traveled the country and found the top minds in those spaces and I learned. And now I mentor people with PhDs, with masters. You know, I, I just help help the woman with with a PhD. And now I'm working with her son who's about to graduate college. You know, so it's like it's all in how you position yourself. You know, so like like my message and the whole purpose of doing this show is just to show people that there's different ways to get there. What an incredible, powerful story. Right. That's that's amazing to me. So so here's what you've done. You, you've gone out and you have these these esteemed people who've actually gone and done some, some pretty crazy stuff. But the fact that you are doing what it is that you do, I identify with, because if you look at the transcripts from when I was actually going through school, well, you would think that got pretty stupid, didn't he? Right. <laughs> but I always thought I was a pretty smart guy. Yeah. The, the problem is that I didn't have a good foundation on which uh, to build. So I just, you know, uh, so, so when I was doing these kinds of things and was trying to figure out and I had all this failure in the background, Rob, I just focused more on those grades and that kind of stuff and, and not the natural leadership abilities that I had until I came to the military. The word, here's what I wanted to talk about when I heard you say this, right? You said the word stigma. Yeah. And I've been focusing a lot on that. And, you know, you've heard the phrase that um, uh, uh, people say that uh, they're they can't do what they believe they've been born to do or they can't be as successful as they would otherwise like to be because they're, you know, fearful of failing. And I got to looking at that and thinking about that. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if you've been taught that you're going to fail, you don't necessarily like it. So there's an expectation on some level that you're going to fail. So how can you be fearful of something that you know that's going to happen? So here's what I think is going on is that I think people are not necessarily fearful of failure, that they're fearful of the stigma associated with the failure, mm. right? So it's not the failure, but it's the stigma, right? If they've not gotten to a point to where they're comfortable with it. And I come up with this in the army, we come up with all these acronyms. So I was looking at this and I'm like, how can I get an acronym out of that? So I took the word stigma and come up with this acronym. And I look at it in terms of stigma. It's basically shameless thoughts I give myself anxiously. Mm. Right? Like so when we talk about failure, we're very ashamed. When we talk about failure, there's this stigma. There's this thought process, right, that we give to whom? Ourselves, based upon what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, what others actually say by us. And then we're very anxious about that. So it's really not necessarily the failure. The problem is we've been conditioned to say that it's the failure that we fear, when it's really we worry about how people are going to look at us. We worry about how people are going to think about us and what they're going to think about us. And those kind of things. So that's the stigma that's associated with that negativity that comes across. But if we flip that and it's positive and people now understand that failure is just merely, as Oprah Winfrey says, an experience. Right. Then there's nothing to fear at all, whether it be the stigma or the failure itself. Yep. And to add on to that, it's these three powerful letters, E-G-O. Right. People's egos that get in the way. So they're worried about that fear of rejection or that fear of ridicule on how it will make them feel Mm -hmm. rather than stepping into your power. And I had to do that with this with this podcast. Like I've, I've been a speaker for years, but you start looking at like the Joe Rogans and the Shannon Sharps and all these big, these big name podcasts. You start getting that imposter syndrome almost like who, like who's going to listen to me, but it's like, you know what? Stop it. Just shut up and start it. 
you know, like hence the whole shut up and grind thing. I was like, just just stop the noise, pick up the phone, and just start talking. And you know, my like my first couple, I talk for like a half an hour and no one no one logs on or nothing, but it's like you gotta just keep doing it. You gotta keep doing it. And and now it's like and I started with just one episode a week. I'm up to four. Wow. I'm I'm starting a debate panel on Monday, starting June sixth, where I'm gonna have myself and five other people. And I was like, all right, so now I gotta find five people every Monday, you know, moving forward. And mm-hmm. now I'm booking into September. Wow. <laughs> it's like I filled up all the Mondays in June, July, and August, and I'm booking into September already. So it's like you just get started. And then you you expand. So with me, like there was no failure. Those first couple of shows, I didn't really know what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I was gaining experience. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to take take what I've learned from management. You know, speaking in front of crowds and leading people, taking what I've done in speaking, motivating, inspiring, and kind of splice the two to where I can teach people and inspire them at at the same time. And then you only know, just learn along the way. So like there was no fear. So I was like, all right, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'll try the talking points. Now I don't want to do the do the talking points. Like that wasn't a failure thing. It was like I learned the best way for me to proceed forward. Powerful man, right? That's the whole you know genesis behind my books. I mean, it really and truly is. So I, I was talking to this person who was trying to do some marketing and trying to get me to come on their team and do some stuff. And he was literally, you know, you know, trying, really nice sales pitch. But uh, we got to a point to where, you know, he was asking certain questions about, you know, how many books you want to sell and all that kind of stuff. And I said this. I said, here's the way this works for me. I said, look, of course, I'd love to sell hundreds of thousands of books. I'd love to be able to do all these high speed things. Right. So because that's the monetary value behind it. And I get all of that. But I said this. I said that, you know what, here's the way this works for me. I'm, I want that to happen, but I'm really more into trying to help people. Yes. So if my book only sells one copy. If that book helps one person, then it would have been worth the effort to write it. Yes. So what you did is you answered the call to be able to go out and learn from those experiences, not necessarily failures, right, to be able to help folks. Look look at what we're doing now. We have people who are on the broadcast who are actually listening. If it only helps one person, we have done what we've been called to do. And that's worth the effort. Yes. So for the longest time, in track and field, so my senior year in high school, like, like I was undefeated in the high jump leading into the state meet. What? Right? And so leading into it. And so wow. it's it took me a long time to get over this because, again, ego. Yeah, but, yeah. That, but that night it had rained, yeah. right? And I had asked my dad to bring me quarter-inch pyramid spikes. Yes. He got me eighth-inch pin. Oh, right. And yeah. so on my first jump, I went, you know, the surface is slick and yeah. I ended up I ended up slipping. Yeah. And and then I got into my head because like I was blaming dad like, oh, you got me the wrong spikes. And rather than just keeping focus. And when I tell you, I was like into my 30s and I was still having dreams about that. Wow. You know, like like it because wow. I worked that whole year leading up to that meet. And then finally, I. I realized once I started getting into speaking and storytelling, I was like, there's, there's power in that experience. So, so it's like now I work with, with, with athletes and I work with, with track athletes, high jumpers especially, mm-hmm. and, and I remind them on that story. I said, every other meet that season, I never cared about my spikes. Mm-hmm. But then on the one meet where it counted, where I had to be on my game, I let an outside force – 
mm-hmm. derail my focus. Oh, wow. You know, I was like, and now I need you to not repeat that. You know, it's like just no matter what happens, keep your if it's windy, if it's raining, if your mom's here, if your mom's not there, none of that matters. It's like keep your eye on the prize. You know, and I was able to to train multiple state state champions. And the, wow. the girl I'm working with this year, if she can keep healthy, because she has a little ankle issue, but if she can keep healthy, she should win the, win the states coming up this outdoor too. But it's all from instilling that mindset. So if, instead of me beating myself up over it because of my ego, yeah, sure. now I took that experience, I turned it into power, and now I'm using it to empower power these kids to stay on track. That, that's amazing. First of all, I told you, you know, I'm a high jumper as well, so I understand exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So with a couple of thoughts that came to mind when you were saying that, and um, um, everything that we do begins with simply this, a thought, yes. right? Everything we do begins with a thought. So this book and, you know, my message, my brand is all about changing your mindset, right? From the fixed mindset to the growth mindset, right? And those are the kinds of things that you did. You took 100% responsibility for yourself. Failure if responded to in the right sort of way. I have a, um, an equation in my book. It's F plus RR equals S. That's F as in failure plus RR, right response equals success. So when you fail, if you respond the right sort of way, therefore uh, success. So people are always asking, well, how can I take failure and become successful? And what does all that mean? So I said, look. You know, in order to become successful, first of all, you got to believe that you can become successful. Yes. Right. It's really important that, you know, you get laser like, you know, belief where it relates to, you know, belief. Right. A lot of people say it, but they don't really believe it. They say it because they've been taught that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to say. No, you have to believe that. The second thing is you got to focus, laser like focus, right? I mean, you were literally focused. You know what it's like to have to focus on any given height when it comes to the high jump and all (laughs) the pressures that's actually involved in that and all this regimen through the mindset and these kinds of things. You got to be on your mark, focused. The third thing is simply this you have to work hard, right? A lot of folks are into this entitlement thing, but man, it requires work. You couldn't have done what you did, right? In the high jump. You couldn't be doing what you're doing now with your podcast if you hadn't worked really hard to get there. And here's the key to all of that, whether it's belief system, whether it's focus, whether it's working hard, you got to fail. Yeah. Because in the failure, that's where we learn. I love, you know, I heard Denzel Washington speak, you know, concerning success. And he says that, you know what, uh, when it comes to becoming successful, you you have to really, let's see, what did he say? He said that, um, 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 uh, he said, oh, your faith. He says, faith is really incredibly important. So regardless of what your faith, you know, is in terms of where you, you were reared, he says, faith is really important to becoming successful. He says that uh, luck is really important. You and I both know that when it comes to an eye jump, a lot of it is luck, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I've, I've hit the bar. Good. Yeah, I've yeah. hit the bar, had a belt and land. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's a good job. Yes. <laughs> That's a good job. Right? Yeah. So, so, so faith is important. Right. Uh, Luck is important. And then he goes on. He says that. But if you have perfect faith and the best of luck, you still got to work hard. Yes. I mean, you really do. And what failure has done for me throughout my entire career is actually allowed for me to work hard. You know, I was told that I'd never be an army officer. I didn't have the right pedigree, had no degrees, none of that stuff. And this is when I was a private. But I, I took all of this failure, internalized that. Right. And come up with a different mindset, the growth as opposed to the fix and see failure as my knight in shining armor. It's all about failure now. So how does this private who came into the military, who retired as a football colonel, I turned down G.O. because I wanted to support my family. Right. So it was all about changing that mindset. 
right? To get to the point from where I knew I could be if I focused hard enough to where I am today. Yeah, see, and a lot of people think that that the mindset thing is overplayed, but mm-hmm. it's but it's not. It's like it's, it's no no matter what you call it, like you said, it starts with belief. So the young woman I'm working with in the high jump, she's five foot nine, right? She's a tall girl, but she's barely jumping five feet. And so I've only worked with her, I think, four or five sessions so so far. And like she's she's gonna she's gonna do again. We can keep her healthy. She's gonna do five six to five eight. Mm-hmm. Like this season, you know, mm-hmm. not even next year. And she's only a junior in high school. But one of the first things I keep telling her, I'm like, how, how high do you jump? She's like five feet. No, you jump five eight. She's like, but I haven't jumped five eight yet. Like, and you never will if you keep telling yourself that you right. jump five. Right. Like you have to, you have to tell yourself I can jump five foot eight. Like I tell people in the gym, Rob, I'm stuck at three, three pull-ups. What do I do? Stop telling yourself you can only do three pull-ups. Right. You know, like a lot of it, it's, it's in the mind. Like if I, if I get down to do 10 push-ups, I'm going to, around eight, I'm going to start burning out because my body, my brain prepared me for 10. If mm-hmm. I say I'm going to do 20, I'm not going to burn out till about 17, you know, 16, 17. And, and it's about expanding. I call it expanding your thought capacity. So yes, like, sir. this is where not having the, the degree comes into play. I got to make up words. Right. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> right. So it's expanding your mental capacity. I'm, I'm sure there's a technical term for it, yeah. but that's what it is. Like in everything that I do, I always think extreme best case scenario. Yeah. So that if, if nothing else, I'll at least get something I'm satisfied with. But most people think average, then you hit below average. So you call it a failure. Right. You know, fantastic. We're actually presenting that. And when you, here's what came to mind. Um, uh, when you were saying what you were saying, especially about you have to be able to see it, right? That's the visualization piece, Rob, yes. right? In order for me to become an officer, I saw myself as an officer. I mean, I did for years, even as a private, I saw myself as an officer. And one of the things I used to do is when I became a non-commissioned officer, I became a sergeant, people used to think that I was an officer. So they would respond to me, hey, sir, hey, sir, I said, oh, you know, I'm just, hey, I'm Sergeant Milton. But I thought you were an officer. Well, because I visualized it, Right. I saw it. I started acting in that sort of capacity. Right. And it came into being. But I visualized that. And a lot of what you just mentioned, as you and I both know from the sport that we've been a part of, is that in order for us to be able to jump that seven, two, seven, three, seven, four, seven, five, we visualize that we go through that regimen. Right. So I'm in total agreement in terms of in order to be able to get there, you have to be able to visualize it and see it. The problem when it comes to failure, they visualize it in the negative as opposed to the positive. Yes. So when I see the failure, the failure or whatever you want to call it, the experiences, I visualize it in the positive. Right. And sometimes in visualizing that in the positive, I realize that I have to change direction. You know, in the army, we say we never retreat. So I've always taught, you know, when you're in charge of people, you never retreat. So I said, okay, we can't retreat, but I'm not willing to jeopardize the lives of our men and women just because the, you know, the rules and the regs says we don't retreat. Well, that's that's really something in which people come up with. It's not anywhere in the rules and the regs in terms of what we can't, because ultimately we're supposed to protect our men and women when we're in combat. And I've been there multiple times, right? Yeah. So I had to figure this thing out really quickly. So because if we got into this engagement, I'm not going to sacrifice anybody. So we don't retreat, but the army allows for us to regroup. Yeah. <laughs> so what I said is that we're not going to retreat, but we'll just regroup over there. Or we'll regroup over there and those kind of things. Therefore, we live to fight another day and those kind of things. But yeah. that started with thinking, you know, the visualization piece, the looking at it from a, a totally different perspective. 
Yes. Like growing up, when I was 17, I remember telling my mom, by the time I'm 40, I'm not going to be punching anyone else's time clock. Mm. I don't know how, how I was going to do it. And then especially when, once I finally made the decision to just stop it with, with college, I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I said, but, but I'm going to do it. But, but anyway, so I was a line cook at this time. And performance-wise, because, you know, with athletes, athletes who are at a higher level have an impeccable work ethic. They, oh, they, yes. just, they just yes. do. They're disciplined, you know, like they have their routine. So, so I just brought that into the restaurant with me. And, like, the other line cooks would look at me like, oh, you're just trying to kiss up to the bosses. You're just trying to – I said, hey, listen, this is how I work. And so once a management position became available, it was, it was a no-brainer. It was mm-hmm. a no-bra- and I wasn't even the longest tenured one there. I was the only black person working there. But mm-hmm. I left everything out there that it was undeniable that I should get that position. Oh. You know, so kind of like how you said, you know, you were acting the role already because you saw yourself in it. And I saw myself in it. And I took ownership of my workspace and of that line. And as I said, and there were people there. So I was 17. There were people there, 35, 40 45 years old and I'm dancing circles around all of them and asserting myself and they were following me, you know? So once I got promoted, some people were barking about it, but, but, you know, you know, my boss came out and said, he showed that, that he wanted it. Yeah. And that's, but it starts with seeing it. No, it, 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 it does. Right. And, and you're not, look, you know, a lot of people would say sucking up or a lot of people would say he's no, that's not what this is about, man. This yeah. is about, as you stated, you took 100% responsibility for yourself. Yes. If we could teach people literally to take 100% responsibility for self when they don't accomplish a goal by which they are attempting, then they're going to be a lot better off. But we take just the opposite view. We yes. think that, well, you're, well, it's your fault. Well, you know, I was raised this way. I was born into this. I was born into that. Well, I'm kind of limited here. Yeah, but you still have, you know, talents, gifts, skills, and abilities, right? But you saw something that you wanted, you know, or a, a, a level that you actually wanted to be. And you said, look, man, it's there for the taking. All I have to do is actually put in the work, right, and get there. And here's what I bet happened. Right. I don't know what was actually happening, but I know from a standpoint of, you know, a human perspective is that it wasn't always smooth sailing for you to get from where you were to where you wanted to be. There were challenges and struggles and perhaps some experiences that didn't turn out the way that you wanted. But that didn't stop you. You didn't allow those challenges, those failures or whatever people want to call them to get into your way. You didn't have a fixed mindset said that I'm limited here. So therefore, I'm never going to be able to get to this perspective. You did just the opposite. And oftentimes when we look at that. Right. People who were in your situation, Rob, they just give up. Yeah. And that's and, and that's and, and now if they've given up, if they've internalized all uh, this failure thing, I'll never amount to a lot. Then that's where a huge struggle becomes, because once you're in the mock in the mire, it's difficult to pull yourself up out of that, that hole, man, unless you have the right mindset. Yeah. So there was a woman that started training with me at my gym and. She has she had a couple surgeries on her ankle, so she got pins in her ankle, and squatting squatting. Well, she was told that she can't squat, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, why can't you squat?" And she's like, "Because I have pins in my knees." And she was like, kind of kind of sassy with me, she's like, "Because I had pins in my knees," <laughs> and, and I was like, "All right." I said, "Well, come here, like you know, grab the TRX straps and let's see how it goes." I like just push your hips back, come down as far as you can, you know, comfortably. And by by the end of that of that class, she had done fifty squats with that TRX. Now mm. this is this is going back 
over three three years ago now, but I still bust her chops even now. She was in class just yesterday, as, and you know we were doing squats. I said, "Meg, I said, remember that BS you told me that uh, you couldn't squat?" And I was like, "Like, look at you now." But with that, she wasn't really able to run. And so outside the facility, I have multiple routes where I have them jog, jog around. And I'll never forget the first time she made it around a building without stopping. Like she came in and she cried, wow. you know, because she used to get so frustrated that she would walk a little and then she would have to walk. And I would tell her, listen, don't worry about that because you still walked. You still yeah. elevated your heart rate. I said, there's people in wheelchairs who would kill to walk right now. Right. Right. right? I was like, you got to think about that. But and so but she just kept trying. She kept trying and she kept getting frustrated. But that day she finally did it. Like the emotions just caught up to her. And that's what people don't understand. If you just keep going, yes. once you reach it, it's going to completely change your world. Man, you know what that is? I mean, I got chills here now, right? Because of that story. It, because it is so incredibly important when it comes to failure and changing your mindset. Perspective is so incredibly important, yes. right? And you gave her a different perspective that she actually had. And that's what all of this is about. You know, what you're doing, what you know, I'm trying to do. It's all about the grind when it comes to this failure piece. It's all about changing that perspective. It's all about seeing it in a, in a different light. And the positive light as opposed to the negative light. So yes. I, I love the energy that I'm seeing. I love the mindset that you actually have because you're really about trying to change people's perspective in terms of what it is you're trying to do to get from where they are to where they're supposed to be. But you understand the struggle oftentimes because you are an athlete. You know what it actually takes to go from zero to 100, right? And the steps along the way to actually get there. Yes. And, but part of the challenge is when people have actually been given, you know, 30, 40 years of negativity, right? And conditioning when it comes to this failure thing, it's not that you, they can't get beyond the hurdle. It's just that oftentimes they, they can't see beyond it. I mean, they're still in the starting blocks, man. Yeah. And the gun will go off and they're like, but do I you know, raise up or do I just stay here and that sort of thing. And I'm trying to make, you know, get them to anticipate, you know, knowing that once that gun goes, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> right? you, I mean, the tape is down there. And the only way you're going to break the tape, whether you walk or jog or run, is to take that first step, man. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier about, about the confidence and, you know, displaying yourself as that next rank you wanted, you wanted to get to. So, I was competing in the transplant games in 2018 in Salt Lake City, Utah, like an Olympic style competition for organ donors and recipients. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I gave a kidney to my sister back in 2011. Oh, wow. and, and so I remember they were calling for the 100 meters. And like I, I had just won the long jump and the high jump. So you know, I was feeling good, feeling good about, about myself. So as I'm walking over to the tent, there's a group group of guys in my age bracket. At the time, I was 40 to 44 bracket. Yeah. And I just hear these guys talking, sizing each other up over, like, who's who's probably going to win? Who's probably yeah. going to win? And um, I usually don't cuss on this show, but I have to say it the way I said it. Yeah. I mean, I mean the way the way he said it. And so so this guy's like, yeah, yeah, who's going to win? Who's, he turns around, and he sees me. Yeah. He turns around. He goes, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this guy looks like the real deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and that 40, I was what? I, th I think it was 44 then. And yeah. uh I actually broke the world record for the transplant game. I did it in, oh, in um wow. I did it in 11.31. Oh wow. At 44 years old. Oh wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> wow, wow. 
Yeah, but but that but that's the power of presence. It's yeah, like he that, just that, looked right. at me and just knew. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's really unfortunate, you know, for him, right? Because at that point, he'd already considered himself a failure, hadn't he? Yep. Right? Yep. And at that point, trying to get beyond where he was to where he wanted to be was almost virtually impossible because yep. he had already defeated himself. And he had the, you know, the other experience is you and I, look, look, I, I was a Catholic, so I get all of that. And we've been there where we're like, oh, man. And if we competed against these people in the past and we've not done real well. Oh, there's this, right? Yep. But one of the things, you know, especially, you know, when you and I show up for different meets and these kinds of things, what we've done in our past, man, is um, what I've learned over time is that uh, I have to be present on that given day. Because on any day, a thoroughbred can be beat, yeah, right? True. So the problem is that when he saw you, the thoroughbred, in his mind, he'd already considered himself a donkey. Yeah. Right? You're right. And there was no way this cat was going to, right? Unless, of course, you really had a very, very bad day, right? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't actually going to be able to defeat you. And part of the battle in being able to uh, get from where we are to where we're supposed to be is defeating of self, Right. In chapter 26 of my book, I have a 12-step program that literally helps, you know, one change their mindset from negative to positive so they can actually go on and become that person that they want to actually be. Yes. And but, but trying to get them to really believe in themselves, right? And, and it's easier for some than it is for others depending on their background. But I'm telling you, man, you know, who, who was it here? I, I've been trying to get this, this licensing deal with Nike. And I've been talking back and forth to these folks because of the merchandise and all of this. And to start a failure is not the problem campaign, man. And um, uh, I had someone that I wanted to actually help me with this. And uh, he was like, nah, dude, I don't think that's going to work. And I said, look, I could do this on my own, but it'd be so much easier to have a strategic partner to yes. do so. So I'm in, you know, I'm in talks with this guy now and I've reached out to Nike and, and all of that. And people are loving the, the message behind it. But it's really interesting to me because. Initially, when I started writing my book, I thought, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd just write this book and, it, you know, be done and, and, and everybody would, you know, catch, capture the message. But nobody wanted to talk about failure, Rob. I would bring the topic up and they're like, whoa, dude, hold up. I, I don't yeah. talk about that. So what I had to do is in order to get them interested, I literally wrote the book, a workbook and a journal and released them all at the same time. Mm. And even then, I almost failed myself because... Uh, when I actually done all the research and I put the book together, I literally just sat on it for a couple of months. And man, I'm gonna tell you, I know this sounds kind of crazy, right? But I tell you, you know, you know how you hear that internal voice sometimes that you're supposed to do something. I, I kept hearing this voice, and I was driving one day, and literally, I heard this voice say this to me. And it wasn't a literal voice, but it was just my mindset, and it said this: If you don't write this book, I'm gonna find someone else to do it. That was the voice I heard because of the powerful message that this is actually going to be presenting. And from that day forward, that's when I stopped procrastinating. You know, and, and, and one of the things is that I was thinking, what if, it, what if it's not as successful as I want it to be? And ego, right? What if it didn't get to where I want it to be? And when I set that aside, dude, I sat down, wrote the book in 30, what was it, 90 days, man. Wow. Yeah. And now people are picking up on it. I have, I mean, a lot of folks here in this particular environment are like, what? They're really buying into uh, the merchandise. They're buying into the message itself. And everybody says that they can relate to it. The struggle for them is that they, you know, the vast majority of the people have never, ever sat down and thought about failure at all because it brings up negative, you know, uh, connotations and memories and all of that. And I often ask a person in one word definition, you know, define what failure means to you. 
And there are a lot of different topics and words that come up, but the, the two words that always come to the forefront is that they say they feel disappointed or depressed. Look at the depression that's actually within the confines of the world today, man. Yep. So, so those are some of the kind of things I'm actually trying to, trying to get to, right? And get people to have the positive energy that I see within you, you know, based upon a lot of the things that you've actually experienced. So I hear all the success you've had, right? And I know that that success did not come without struggle, Rob. But look at you. Look at what you're doing. Look at the impacts that you're actually making in the lives of people on the track and field circuit. I mean, your podcast and these kinds of things. Thank you. Pre- appreciate that. Like, let me, let me give you a little little glimpse into, into how my mind works. So in when I was 34, this is in 2009, I had a pretty bad knee injury actually doing the high jump. I was at the New England Masters Championships. It was it was here here in Rhode Island, and I was doing the high jump. So it was myself. I had my age bracket one. I was in the thirty to thirty four age bracket, but there was still a forty five year old in, and you know ego ego right? right you know right. like I can't I can't let the old guy just beat me. So, <laughs> so I go, I take I take a jump, and I, I felt a tug in my left knee. Like it was something different. Like it didn't hurt. But just like something shifted in there. Right. So I was like, you know, what? I said, I'll, I'll just take one more because he jumped and he missed, too. So I was like, all right, I'll take one more. And then that one more changed everything in my world. So I go, I plant and my kneecap fully separated, <laughs> like my my patella tendon fully ruptured. And my kneecap was like maybe a quarter of the way up my quad and. Yeah, it changed. It changed everything in the blink of an eye. So I'm on the ground. My kneecap is displaced. You know, the ambulance is called. I get to the hospital, and the ER doctor tells me, like, he takes off off the brace, and within a second, he's like, "Ooh, you're never gonna run or jump again." And now I had just started my fitness business, like just started earlier that year, and I was like, "What? What do you mean? I'm not never gonna run or jump like?" I'm in the fitness now. Like I'm not going back to restaurant management. Like I, my body is my tool. <laughs> like yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. I need this. And so after a while, you know, I'm crying, yeah. but then, but then I, I looked at him and I was like, you know what? I was like, sorry, sir. It's like, but you don't effing know me like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, it was like, you just, you just can't look at me and in two seconds prescribe my future. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I was like, I, I don't accept that. And so once I started the rehab, they put me on an electric stim machine because uh, two because the two two muscles of my quad went complete atrophy. Like I couldn't I couldn't engage them like uh, the neurons weren't firing. And so they told me to do this machine three times a day minimum. They didn't give me a maximum. <laughs> so, what? So, so how my brain works, I kept that thing on all day. So like when it contracted because you have to relink the brain to the muscle That's so right. it would contract and i'm like fire 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 nothing fire 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 like every yeah. day i was just just trying to do it and then that first day that it fired this was probably six months before they told me it would fire six wow. months prior because wow. i was like i'm not taking your diagnosis i'm like i'm getting this back and then the first day that i ran granted i looked like a newborn giraffe but <laughs> But damn it, I ran. Yes, <laughs> and, and at that moment, I was like, I will get back on the track again. Yeah. I was like, absolutely. So now I said that was 2009. So I didn't compete again until the transplant games in 2016. 
but oh. I've been I've been undefeated in the high jump, in the long jump, in oh. the two in the two hundred meters since. I did have oh. a couple a couple of like muscle pulls in the hundred meters, so I do have a couple L's there. But I've been undefeated in in the high jump, the long jump, and the two hundred. It's crazy. That is absolutely powerful, right? And you know the mind. Let me tell you, dude, the mind is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful, right? When you were talking about, you know, how you, you know, took your, your brain and you focused it on a certain part of your body and decided that this is going to happen, yes. right? Because you knew that in the heart, in the mind, right, it all works together to get the kinds of things that we actually want. So yeah. it reminded me of how I tried to get into the uh, officer candidate program for six years. So I've, after six years of trying, I'm finally accepted. Yes. Well, two months before I was supposed to actually go to school, someone steps on my left foot and breaks it in three places. Ooh. So I called a sessions command, which is the higher headquarters. It basically decided who was selected for schools and told them I wasn't going to be able to actually attend school. So I needed another class date. Yeah. And they said, you have two options. One is you can actually reapply and reapply. I thought you mean like reapply for like another class date. And this is no, you can actually reapply for the program. Well, that took six years initially, so I wasn't going to do that. So I said, okay, what's the other option? And they said, well, you can go to school. Go to school. So I could have easily, you know, taken the attitude of, man, I'm just not ready. This is not going to work. I'm not going to write. So what I did instead is I went to the doctor and I told the doctor, you have to take this cask off because I got to go to school in a couple of months and I got to have this foot ready. And he said, well, this is not going to be ready. But in my mind, Right. I knew that there would be pain associated with it if I allowed for that to happen. Or I could just simply say, look, this is something I've always wanted to do. Here's an opportunity to do it. I can either quit. Right. Or I could actually go ahead and go to school. So I actually went to school and, you know, spend what, uh, 14 weeks there becoming an officer. And along the way, when I was in that particular program, I failed an artillery exam. At all the candidate school, you have the primary exam and then you have a uh, repeat exam. If you fail the repeat exam, Rob, no matter where you're in the program, right, you're gone. You're out of there. You could be a week from graduating and you bowl one of the exams, you're gone. So I get there, I failed this exam, and all of a sudden, all of this pressure of actually, you know, the failure piece came back. And I remembered what I had always taught myself up until that point from basic training. It's not the failure. It's how I respond to this situation. Yeah. Responded well, took that second exam, got aces on it, and went on to have an illustrious career. So it's incredibly important not to look at your situation in the negative. You saw it in the positive. Yep. And because you saw it in the positive, you took responsibility for that. And guess what? Yep. Here we are. Yeah, those are the lessons that I failure has actually taught me, and I want them to teach everybody else. But you know, oftentimes when people uh, when, when people are trying to learn something new, right, and that's transformative, it's not always easy for them. If they can, it would be a lot easier for you to understand what I'm saying because of our parallels and yes. the experiences and the, your athleticism, and specifically the track and field piece, right. And when people don't come from that vein and from that particular background, trying to get them to understand that all of these challenges that they've actually had, you know, have actually made them stronger, even if they're unaware of it. See, know, know how I work with non-athletes, because working with athletes is easy, because you, yeah. you can always tap into that, that inner badass. It's always there. That's right. That's right. But with parents, 
I just used the process of raising children. Uh, you know, I, was, I was like, remember when, when you were teaching your child to crawl and they would kind of shimmy a little and then stop? Like you kept encouraging them to crawl until hmm. they crawled. And then once they start crawling, the next step is to get them to pull themselves up and stand. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the next step is to start walking in the walker and then the walking, holding your hands. And then the, like, it's an entire process. I was like, so is this. Mm-hmm. It's like, like never once did you tell your child, no, don't bother crawling. No, don't bother. You keep falling, <laughs> right. You yeah. keep falling down. Just stop walking. Right. You know, just stop trying to feed yourself. I'll feed you. You know, it's like, it's like, you don't do that. It's like you, you encourage and like you keep going, they fail, they get back up. They go, they fall, they get back up. Said, and you gotta take those same principles to your own life. Concur. It's like, what is it that you want to accomplish? I concur. Yes, you know. That's and, why. I, that's why I totally believe that failure is not the problem. Yeah. It's literally the beginning of your success if you respond to it in the right sort of way. So we've so, got to literally get back to teaching that. Go ahead, Ron. Yes. No. No. I was gonna say so. When did you first get the idea to write that book? Yeah. So we was living in, my, you know, family and I were living in Germany at the time. And um, uh, my daughter had actually come up with this, 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 this logo, right? This crazy thing. We thought we would come back here to the, the U.S. I go get a patent. We start selling T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, uh, so it was really her idea in terms of the, the logo. So I go and uh, I, I draft all this sort of stuff up. I, you know, I filed for the, you know, the, the trademark and I sent it in. And um, uh, they um, they said, no, reject. Mm-hmm. What? It's a brilliant idea. And it's like, no, reject. There's something out there that's very similar to this. And it was really difficult for me to go to her because she's all excited about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Dad, oh, wow, we're going to be able to do this. And I go to her and I said, sweetheart, you know, they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't approve it. Right. And just the look on her face was just heartbreaking, man. Yeah. And um, uh, so she, she walks away and, you know, just disappointed. And I said to myself, Man, I just failed again. What in the world is going on? Right? And then I remember what you know Sergeant Gaither said. He said that Milton, failure is not the problem. Right? It's what you do with it. And this thought came to my mind. Failure is not the problem. It's the beginning of your success if I respond to this in the right sort of way. I resubmitted this logo. Yeah. Right? And then the same phrase, first time hit, and they approved it. Nice. So I said, what a whole one. So I said, you know what? <laughs> Why don't I take all of this failure that I've actually had, coach, mentor, train, inspire, motivate people to take their failures like I've had and become successful. Yeah. And that was the genesis of how the book, the book actually came about. And in fact, there's a series of books. The one, the first one is failure is not the problem. It's the beginning of your success. The one I'm working on now is failure is not the problem. That's the registered piece. Yeah. It's your leadership. So what I want to do now is I want to take, you know, CEOs and, and folks who are in business and I want to teach them, Rob, to allow for their people to fail. Because if people are given the freedom to fail, people become a lot more creative. Yes. They're willing to take more risk. If they feel like they aren't are not able to fail, right, then they don't typically take those chances. Yeah. Right. Most business owners says the reason they're successful is because they did what? They failed and they took risk. In the military, what we do is we intentionally teach people how to crash planes. Mm. We'll take, go up 35,000, shut down the engine. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> shut the engine down, man. At 35,000 feet, mm. well, the plane may crash. It may, 
Bonifio. Yeah, right, right. But if you stick to your training, it won't. Mm. Right? Yeah. So we literally teach people in the military how to fail primarily because we know that there's a high rate of potential that once they get in this combative environment, that that plane may fail. That plane may right, get to a point where there's engine failure. Well, we teach other leaders, you know, how to fail based upon, you know, different types of scenarios and things that might happen where you're in a combative situation. So we don't want when they get there in the combat zone for that to be the first time they've experienced failure. Uh, yeah. Right. So that's so. So we actually kind of take that and do that. And then there's one that's, you know, failure's not the problem. It's your PTSD. And I deal with that, <laughs> yeah. that arena. True. Right. True. You know, failure's not the problem. It's your relationship and so on and so forth. So i got about four or five books that uh, I'm, I'm trying to work on, but I'm working on the, the second one now. But the genesis for the book was primarily because there was a failure in trying to get a logo uh, approved through the, you know, you know trademark and, and uh, patent office. I mean, I have it now, but uh, the first time I went out for it, it was just another reminder of failure. And obviously, from that day forward, man, it's just another one of these. Gosh, man, every single time that I fail, baby, I'm learning now, man. I'm getting with it. Interestingly enough, is that most motivational speakers, here's what they do. And bless them, dude. I mean, because it's all about trying to get people motivated through success. I want to do the opposite. I want to get folks motivated through their failures. Because most of them are going to fail, right? Not all of them are going to be successful. Every single one is going to fail. And how they were, you know, and the way that they respond to that is, is incredibly important. So the motivational speakers would talk about becoming successful. They'll hit the failure thing real quick and quit it. They'll hit it and quit it and move on mm. because people want to hear this success thing. Well, failures, you know, talking about failure is all about succeeding, right, based upon the lessons that you've learned through this particular genesis and this particular process. So it's about a positive message. Yes, and as you see, as it says right here above us, your true power lies in your story. Absolutely. You know, and that's why when I come on with the guests, like I want to hear about what they've done leading up to where you are. Like I had this woman on, she's got multiple seven-figure businesses, and then come to find out she grew up dirt poor, had, had nothing, didn't have a supportive family. Her parents went through a bad divorce, and it's like, oh, my Lord. But like, But on the surface, you wouldn't have picked up any of that. You know, so people people can't identify with that. Like, if you're someone who's just struggling to make your rent, you can't identify with someone that's got two seven-figure businesses. That's right. But if you hear the journey of how she got there, now you're like, you know what? She she took some steps. She believed in herself. She got a mentor, and now this is where she is. Like now, it's relevant to you. Yeah. You know, so so getting getting your failures out there. That's the part that actually inspires people to take action, not 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 the end result. I, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> and that's the thing that, you know, intellectually, people can conceptualize that. Right. The issue is that because they've not had that experience, you know, it's almost as though it's it's unrealized. But yeah. the, the things that you're saying, people, I mean, because they see it all the time. Most of the examples that they've been given from extremely successful people Right. They tell them about, well, I didn't, I didn't start here. Right. As the example you just gave, we started way back here, even though I'm here now. And here's how I got to that particular point. Yes. So all of the things that I, I experienced today. Right. And all the things that I actually have today is a direct result of how I responded to the failures that I've had in my life. Absolutely. See, and I love the concept with the book It's like we're we're such an alignment on so many different levels. So I had someone on the show who was an author and their book is about empowering youth. And so 
they they were as we were talking, they were saying that they were going to write a second and a, and a third book. And I was like, okay, I said, but you know, do what you want to do, but I feel like you haven't maximized the first book. Ah. <laughs> you know, and they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's about empowering youth, so you can do one for coaches, you can do one for social workers, you can do one for teachers, you can do one for parents. You know, it's like you can take the same concept and segment it to different things. Like I'm on chapter six now. I'm actually writing my Shut Up and Grind book. And I That's just I just started it a couple of weeks ago and I'm on ch- chapter six. But I'm going to do, do I'm going to do that same concept, like shut up and grind for athletes, yeah. you know, shut up and grind yeah. for this, yeah. shut up and grind yeah. for that. And just keep, keep the same the same concept but gear it towards different demographics. Yes. That's going to be powerful, man. And I got to get a copy of that book. So please let me know when it's available. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because this is incredibly important because, you know, if, if people understand the concept behind the struggle, right, they're going to be so much more better off. It, it, in the end of my book, I talk about um, uh, uh, the, the story behind the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly. Right. Mm, yeah. And, and you may have actually heard that where, I mean, it was oh, yeah. really in order to get, you know, become the butterfly. That was a struggle along the way. We just look at the butterfly and how beautiful they are. Yes. Right. But what about where did they start? Right. They started out as a worm. Right. Went into this cocoon. And then from that cocoon, that struggle is how all of that actually came into being. Yes. So we've got to literally get tons of folks back to actually believing that. And one of the stories in the book is I talk about this five year old kid who is uh, my, my kid's orthodontist, she talks about her son, how when he was at five, he was going around calling himself a failure. And it was heartbreaking for her. And my question was, well, who was telling him he was a failure at five? Yeah. Right? Should real. he be learning other lessons and those kinds of things? And she was like, yeah, but, you know, it's, it, it was his friends because he was going, he was trying to get through this video game. And because he hadn't gotten to the end of the game, all the of his buddies, five years age, was calling him a failure. So he was really struggling with that. So I said, well, just go back to him. And he says, look here, son, you're not a failure, right? You will ultimately get there. But what you're doing is you're learning the process of the game along the way. So yeah. each phase that you accomplish, just learn and build on that, and you're going to be fine. And eventually, before you know it, you'll get to where you want to be. Don't focus on the end game. Yes. Enjoy the experience and the learning along the way. Yes. And that's what failure can help us do. Yep. I tell people in fitness, focus on each day. Yes. Each day, especially if someone wants to lose a substantial amount amount of weight. It's like, you know, if, if your goal is to lose 50 pounds for whatever reason, you can't worry about that. Yes. That you focus on today, then focus on tomorrow, and then focus on the next day. Like you string that together for a matter of weeks, then you're going to have results that that you're looking for. But if, if you do good for two good days, get on the scale and be, Oh, the scale hasn't budged. It's like you've tried for two days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. It's a process. It takes discipline and it takes consistency and the same, same thing in business. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I want people to really take away from, uh, uh, you know, my branding and my message and that sort of thing is I want them to, uh, to really learn how to, you know, get themselves and allow number one is to, to be self-empowered through the failure. Number two, if you're coaching, mentoring, training, or leading people, give them the freedom to fail so they can be more creative, right? Yes. And number three, learn how to accept, understand, and embrace failure. Because, look, success is not always going to be a part of our lives necessarily. It could be, but not necessarily. But failure is always going to be. That. So I, I heard this, what was it? Uh, you've heard this colloquialism, failure is not an option. Well, Robin, it has to be an option because it's a part of life. Success, on the other hand, is not necessarily an option. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? It could be, but not necessarily. So if you know that there is something there that you're going to actually have to experience, it's probably a good idea to learn how to respond to that. Yep. And that's what I'm trying to do in terms of the messaging. All right. So how, how can people get in touch with you? Yes, sir. So they can reach out to me to through the uh, my website. It's um, uh, www.georgeamilton.com. That's georgeamilton.com. Or they can go to my website, which is George uh, George at georgeamilton.com. So that's George at georgeamilton.com uh, is the um, uh, um, email address. Or um, uh, George at georgeamilton.com is actually the the website and they can also get the book through through amazon i mean i actually have that up on, on that and I'm, I'm i've been testing some of my merchandise out here locally and people are really buying it so i'm uh i'm gonna go to your store here and try to figure out how you've done this thing and get some merch up on the on, on the booby tube here too man so nice. i'm working on that as well sir nice yeah just do it through a, a teespring okay teespring okay okay yeah, got it. yeah teespring.com okay but george this was great man that hour flew by don't! I wasn't tracking. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. pun intended. Tracking. <laughs> no, it's like when when I came across your profile on the podcast guest site, it's like I just read your summary. I didn't even read the rest of your profile. I just read the summary, and I was like, I gotta have this guy on the show. Oh, so, and and I believe you responded pretty quickly too. So, you know, it was good. Like I knew that our messages were gonna gel. Yeah, which, which yeah. is which is great because you know people need to hear it and people need to hear that it's not just me saying it. Yes, <laughs> you know? So, yes, so it's, yes. it's nice having other people coming on and just letting people know that once you get out of your own way, yeah, you can do whatever it is that you yes. want to do. <laughs> right, right, and they're so incredibly important, right? And, and I'm always telling folks, man, that look, don't consider yourself a failure, right? I mean, it, that's not something that even exists. If you really think about it, because now when I don't accomplish something, I just don't accomplish it. I don't label myself as a failure as I did in the past. Yeah, it's always so, what did what did you learn? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you apply what you learn through that experience, and then when you're tackling the next one, you no, know, you shouldn't have that same result if you truly learn from it. If you truly learn. Yes. That's right. That's yep. right. That's right. the key. Who, who was it when the, the Spartans was being being attacked? Uh, you know, in Sparta. And uh, you have one of these kings, and, and you know the Spartans. I mean, just you know, totally high speed. You've seen the movie Three Hundred and all of that. Yeah. But um, uh, the king had said that we're going to. He, he says that you know what? If we decide to t go and fight and take down Sparta, right? You guys are going to be demolished. And the Spartans sent back one word: if. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so true. Right. So if people, you know, if people do what it is that you're saying. They're going to go and become the person that they were meant to be. Absolutely. All right. That's a great way to end. Well, again, thank you for taking the time out on this Sunday to share your message. I'm sure we're going to cross paths again because yes, I definitely want to keep in touch with you. Same here. Same here. All right. And uh, any final words? Hey, look, thank you so much for this excellent opportunity. Um, you know, as you said earlier, I knew nothing about you other than when I saw you on Dumb's or podcast. And I thought, this sounds like an interesting dude, man. And Dumb said, yeah, man, you're a great guy. But, man, had I known about this track and field thing, I would have set this up totally differently probably, but I'm glad I didn't know. Yeah. So I, I love the way you uh, you go about, uh, you know, uh, introing your, your, your guest and uh, the approach that you're taking. But I really, really appreciate the opportunity to actually get the word out and the message off. Thank you. 
Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. Have, have a great day. You as well, sir. Thank you. Right. Thank you. All right. So that was George. That was an awesome conversation. So if you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and watch the whole thing. We get deep into the mindset, deep into overcoming obstacles and understanding that failure, it's your power. It, it, that's your that's your greatest power is in the failure because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So the more you do it, the better off you're actually going to be. And teach your kids how to accept loss, damn it. All right? Stop giving them everything. Stop letting them win all the time. They need to understand that life isn't always going to be handed to you. So, yes, I'm telling you how to raise your kids, all right? Teach them how to fail. It's a very important skill because if not, they're going to grow up to be adults that don't know how to deal with failure. And that, that's going to lead to a lot of mental health issues, depression, anxiety, stress. So if that's a skill you can teach them now, they're going to be much better off in the future. So, again, that's episode number 80. I'm back again on Tuesday with number 81. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you for the continued support. And have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.